for the very first time today you guys yeah we didn't just record seven minutes of the podcast and realize that we fucked up the audio again you know we're here we're learning and we're so glad that you're here with us what's up party people it is february started we are gonna get this party started um we're here to talk about this amazing book we deserve monuments by jazz hammonds which I literally completed reading um, mere moments ago as Shannon arrived at my house and I opened the door for her and let her in while not making eye contact. She hardly even said hello. Book. She yeah. was just like, take your time. And then because <laughs> I was outside smoking, <laughs> she, this, the hostess of the mostest gets to the door and says, hi, take your time. While the book is just like in and then front I, of her face. And I, then she closed the I door. Closed the door. <laughs> also with me, I had a backpack, uh, the Brown Girl Book Party canvas, a thing of water, like whatever. I can carry all these things on my own. But she was like, I am fully in it. And she did. She did carry all of those things on her own. Um, I'm very strong. <laughs> Yeah, really, this is just a testament to how excellent this book was for me. And we're going to get right into talking about it today. So we do want to let you guys know we're still figuring all of these details out as we make progress on this podcast. Um, Last time for Yoke, we tried to integrate a brief retelling of the story to you because (laughs) brief, right? Keyword brief. Wasn't have brief. we have we ever done anything briefly? Um, and we decided to really streamline the experience and get down to it. We want to include people who are not reading the book. That's very important to us um, that this story is accessible to you and you're, you can still be a part of this conversation. So we decided to make a little video. It's on the Internet. We'll probably link it when Fuck shit. Yeah, yeah. we know how to link stuff. OK, Um <laughs> So we'll make sure to get that to you. But really, ultimately, read the book. Please read the book. It is it is good. It is um, for sure a slow burn. Um, but when it gets good, it gets good. Really good. Um, just layers and layers of excellence. This book, this book is good because the story is so fucking good. Yeah, and it's like this. I feel like this will appeal to people who are interested in like mystery, people who are interested yeah. in like historical fiction, um, people who are interested in stories around queer identity and cycles of trauma and classism and racism. And there's just there really is so much involved in this very, very good story about a family that is really just going through it. They're struggling. And a kid that, right? I mean, this is, it is a YA book. And so it's about a teenager and her life experiences. And oh my gosh, like I, there were so many moments in this book where the protagonist, um, Avery, is experiencing things like, friendships and and joy um that I just felt so connected to you that I remember like I remember from mm. being that age that I remember from being uh you know in my mid 20s and and even in my early 30s like these stories around friendship and finding yourself and all of that was and getting to know your family and your family trusting you with the shit that they wouldn't tell you, right? Like things that they wouldn't otherwise. I think we had like hit on this before, um, how like certain family dynamics, there, there's like the these um, elements of secrecy. And that is true in this book when, when uh, like Avery doesn't know how her grandfather Ray died until way late in life. like. Right. Or even that he is dead. I don't even think she knows that he is dead at the very beginning of the book. 
Yeah, you're pro- I think you're right. There's so much secrecy in this book, um, which is, again, another theme following Yoke uh, with ancestral trauma. I mean, there's so much ancestral trauma in this book. And the way that this very Gen Z, very right now character in this very right now story is really breaking through that. Um, and it is so moving. It's so moving to see the progress that she makes um, within this really broken family. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's truly a coming of age story. Like it oh, is 100 percent. Absolutely about a teenager. It is absolutely a YA story. And it is absolutely also just this like precious and finite moment in adolescence, teenhood to adulthood where your parents, I think also like as a parent now um, and and feeling still, I can still just tangibly feel so many moments of that like 17 to 20 year old time in my life. Yeah. Your parents, I think, don't know what the fuck to do with you. No, fuck no, they don't. And like add to that this. So Avery and her family, like, you know, her mom, um, Zora is born in, you know, rural Southern community and leaves to go to DC because she gets a big time job. And then, you know, marries her spouse who is a white man. Um, and they have a child, Avery, who is queer and comes out and has the whole like big city queer life experience of like acceptance and, you know, dating for the first time, um, as a teenager, but then like coming back to that space Mm -hmm. of, um, that like small town, small town life with even more to sort of like figure out. Right. Like, right. Well, just so much baggage unresolved and bringing Avery back into that situation. Um, you know, a big theme in this book, of course, is that there is this moment from the last time that Avery was in Georgia that she can't really remember. She's like piecing it together, but she doesn't really fully remember it. Right. And we don't even actually really know what it's related to until the very, very, very end of the book. Um, But it like circling back to that thing where parents just don't know what to do with you. They don't know. They, I mean, partially it is that they can no longer control you. Yeah. But they feel this, I mean, I think the need for control is is larger than ever because in so many ways at that age, you're really putting yourself in more danger than ever. I mean, now that I'm like on the other side of it and I'm looking back at the things that I put my dad through um, and, you know, it's just um, that's really intense. Right. But also the other thing is that you're they also, I think, see you. Right. You are not you're just in the in between. You're not a yeah. young teenager anymore and you're not an adult and you are a young teenager and you are an adult. And in terms of sharing and, you know, are your parents like not wanting you to see them as whole people? But there's so much that you're figuring out and understanding in your own emotional development and growth that they can't really hide from you anymore. And right. that's a lot what this story is about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can we also talk about, you just said, like, the story is a finite moment of, like, in sort of, like, a period of time. But as you were saying that, does this book take place over, like, two weeks' time? Did oh, you notice question. that it's, like, it is not, we don't ever have this sort of, like, there is no clock or calendar that is telling us, like, how quickly no, time think, is moving? I think there is, because... We know certainly that it's that they start they go to Georgia before school starts senior right. year and okay. then they celebrate um, Thanksgiving at the beach house. Oh, that's right. That's right. OK. Yeah. Joy. And then um, and then there's, of course, the winter formal also called the cotton ball. But, right. Because we because we're just making sure that we're yes. keeping that you know, yes. racism and well, um, so can we talk about, can we just start with Tallulah? Cause she was so hateable and I would just love to start there. She was incredibly hateable. 
so her character to me, and I am going to try to find it now. Um, so much of, she is so representative of the, um, violence and danger and just absolute like unawareness of white privilege. Like to me, that is so much of, you know, so the scene, um, the actual scene, also the myth of the scene and what the scene gave to us as the readers between Tallulah and Mama Letty in the drugstore um, felt very important. So when yeah. we're in the kitchen with Tallulah and Jade and Avery and Tallulah is telling Avery mm. how she knows Mama Letty, how she uh-huh. knows her own grandmother and... I mean, the way that Hammonds wrote that scene, that it was so unsuspecting. It was such Southern charm. It was such a moment of Southern charm. Yes, They're in totally. the kitchen together. Dolly Parton's playing. She's having Avery cut cucumbers. And she's like, I realized how I know your mama or your mama Letty. And then says it's because mama Letty was this horrible woman to her at a drugstore and literally, like, so gross. while she was pregnant, went in there and she needed a soda because she was so thirsty. And Mama Letty wouldn't do her the gracious favor of allowing her to pay later because Tallulah had forgotten her wallet. And man, did I not fucking think of every conversation or, you know, just like those moments with white people or just people of varying levels of privilege where they're these moments feel like oppression to them. Yes. They read them like oppression and they're not fucking oppressive moments, right? There's so much context. Right. Mama Letty couldn't stand Tallulah because of all of this context and history of losing Ray, the love of her life, like this really meaningful person to her and how Tallulah was connected to that. But Privilege, of course, allows people to be completely disconnected from any responsibility that they could have had in oppressing people of color, um, you know, in any kind of way. And and the cotton ball being named that is another example of that, of course, just like, yes, I feel like it's oppressive and offensive that people don't just let us have our traditions like, God, what a common it just really hit home. I mean, this is the kind of shit that we have been hearing like over and over and over again. Like, uh, you know, this it this is a book for today because it does really address so much and the way that it does address this like bullshit ass like white people oppression yes. is it's really perfect and it's so accessible. Um, in, and it, and it is in a way I think that is not like a, like slap in your face, but it is that like, um, I don't know the, the, the way that she tells that story in the kitchen is just like, like you said, it's that like Southern hospitality. Right. And then all of a sudden there, there it is. The racism, the racism is, is just in the room and that she holds the power to be able to just talk down to Avery like that and to just say these things to her. Right. She's in her home, which is a fucking plantation or a, um, fuck. Is it a plantation? Yeah. 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 She's in her home. That is a plantation. She is, um, a surrounded by like 25 members of her family. Um, and, Tallulah has never thought about that, actually. Like, that's the other thing about privilege, right? I mean, it's just like, it's really, I think, such a testament to Hammond's ability to tell a story because we continue to use different examples, different fictional scenes and characters, different analogies to retell what white privilege is. It it is a thing that narratively is so important right now, right? To continue to communicate this to people who are not necessarily understanding and to do it in such a way that doesn't feel tired, but also hits it on the nose so well in the form of a whole character. I just um, thought was so, it was just so good. I mean, it was really, you know, Tallulah just like 
is a hateable character and she wrote her very well and she represents all of these things that are wrong. Yeah, I think that's like the Tallulah's character development. I mean, also, let's be clear that Tallulah as a person did not grow (laughs) in this at at all. No, not at all. started bad and ended Ended bad. bad. And she's still bad to this day. Yeah, wherever the fuck she is. We don't fuck with you. And she's probably listening to like, I don't know, like Kid Rock. She's not listening to... That was, oh, that was the text message you sent yeah. that was like, there's no fucking way. I'm so this mad. Bitch ass. So that hating. was one narrative thing, yes, that I felt like was really more due to Hammond's age, probably, honestly. Probably. Than anything. Because yeah. Tallulah was not fucking with no Dolly Parton, okay? No. no. She is a, a vax getting queen, okay? <laughs> we love you, Dolly. <laughs> Don't fuck with and Dolly. Tallulah for sure is not vaccinated. All that's I know that for sure. No, hell no. No. There's no way. Um Yeah, so I just thought that scene was so great. Uh but let's talk about other scenes that made us feel good. Shannon, do you have any that you want to talk about? I um I think that one of the scenes that really did get me and I I like still think about it today um, is sorry. I'm like trying to find the page. It's on one twenty five um, and it's when they're cutting um, when they're cutting Avery's hair. Oh, yeah. Um, they when Simone and Jade and Avery, they have their whole like uh time in at the Draper and Simone comes out, you know, later to um, Avery. But just like this whole, that whole experience that they had together of getting, first of all, they got shit faced, which I love. Yeah. Um, And then they decide, you know, that to go ahead and cut Avery's hair. And there's all this like insecurity. Avery is just like, the embodiment of insecurity because mm-hmm. she's come into this space that like that like in some ways should be home because it's where her family's from but also is like very foreign to her yes. because her experience as like a city kid is is different and she's just gone through a breakup back um in DC and she like suddenly meets these two friends who welcome her in very quickly right like yeah. um and then they invite her to this like slumber party in the fancy hotel. So Avery shows up with all of this teenage insecurity. Um, and that comes like, there's the added layer of making friendships and what does this all mean? And how do I show up in this friendship? And how, you know, what if I, if I dress the wrong way or say the wrong thing or listen Mm -hmm. to the wrong music or what if my shoes aren't right? And all of that. Right. Um, and then she does ha- have this moment where there's like vulnerability and the cutting of her hair is really a vulnerable thing because it shows this sort of like cross over into a space where she can be the person that she wanted to be because her ex-partner was not into the idea of her cutting her hair. Right. Um, and then she just experiences this like joy right. with these two other women that she is just excited to know and to be a part of this like friend group. So I think just like the joy of friendship that gives us the courage to explore who we really are, Mm -hmm. I think was like something that I really loved about so many parts of this book. Yeah. Um, Because there, there is a lot of Hammond spends a lot of attention I'm sorry, a lot of time paying attention to the way yeah. relationships are formed or broken or restored. Mm-hmm. Um, and the word safe, I think that you just used is really true. Like there's so much safety um, that Avery is learning as she comes into this place that is also fraught with danger. There are oh, so God, many reasons yeah. why it should not feel safe. It's a new place to her. It's not DC. She's a city girl. She's moving to the country. It's a tiny town. There is this potential murder. And then she finds out her grandfather was murdered by the police. And then, you know, just all layers of danger 
but in it, this genuine and true um, feeling of safety for the first time ever. Oh yeah. Um, and yeah, that, you're right. The the friendship, the blooming friendship, and the acceptance, and the haircut, and all of that. That scene was really lovely for sure. She um on page one twenty seven, like after they cut her hair and they toast um. Avery's new hair with whiskey shots and they refill their drinks and they jump on the king size bed and they're playing Cardi B and all of that. And at one point Avery says that, um, she, I mean, she's drunk and all she could think about was how lucky she felt to have found these two humans in her tiny corner of the universe. And, um, and she says, and we had somehow created this perfect night together. Like, There is something that it's my like Peter Pan moment that is that really misses and appreciates the experience of living for those special moments Mm. in friendships. Right. Mm -hmm. Like in that moment, those three women couldn't see beyond it. Right. It's Mm -hmm. just like this is all we have to live for this moment right now. And this like incredible feeling that we are experiencing together and like fuck if that is not one of the if if that's not like the fuel that really I think even keeps me going as an adult today the reason yeah the purpose absolutely yeah um speaking of just like those feelings those feelings of safety and like oh my god are we gonna talk about it we're gonna talk about it (laughs) the reasons the purpose the safe places that Georgia had to offer. I mean, we just have to get into chapter 15, which is all about the Renaissance um, as an establishment. And as we so lovingly call it, the Rennie and Arnie and just this like safe haven, this like black queer safe haven. Um, And I mean, Man, I I feel like I was just like grinning, just smiling oh, ear God. to ear. And how beautiful for Avery and her mother to have had the reconciliation that they had. That moment yeah. of what we were just talking about, like parents not knowing to how to treat their late teens. Is it like teenagers or like adults? And you see that Zora just has this moment where she's like, okay, now's the time. Like, let's talk. And I'm and if we're gonna talk. We're going to talk at the fucking Rennie. Yeah. And the way that that space welcomed her back so openly and and so genuinely. And then later in the book, when um, Avery and Simone go and they decide. With their flower crowns? With their flower crowns. And they're just like, fuck it all to hell. Like, yeah, we're in trouble. Because we broke curfew and we, oh wait, no, that happens after. They're like, we're like, we're going to, they're just like. They're breaking curfew. We're breaking curfew. So, so fuck this, but we're just going to do it because this is a space that is like, we can, we can love and be loved and, and just be surrounded by all of the good vibes and the way that like, um, Arnie welcomes them back and is just like, like their family come in. Also, when you were reading that scene. Of them just like dancing in this like hot ass like <laughs> I don't know I like pictured the Rennie not as like a super like put together space, oh one hundred percent just like I've danced in that YMCA rec room so many yes. times that was the best yes. for sure and did you not just like feel like hot yes. and like oh yeah smell like cigarettes and like spilled the best feeling fuck it just oh my god so it's good. so good. But we ha- you have to read the quote. Uh, I want to read the quote. Yeah. So this is from chapter 15, page 223 to 224. Arnie always said he never set out to provide anything other than a good time. But in reality, the gifts his establishment offered were the ones that kept giving long after Sunday mornings. For example, after kissing Morris Rainey for the first time, Darnell Hitchens took the deepest breath he'd taken in 18 years. With shaking hands, Tanya Gramling slipped on her friend's black silk dress and greeted herself for the first time in the scratched bathroom mirror. And although Zora Harding never made it to the moon, she knew from her nights at the Renaissance that you didn't always have to look to the stars for magic. 
because magic was actually two shades of lipstick stain staining a shared straw in a glass Coke bottle. Magic was renaming constellations after black women because who else could be worthy? Magic was a riverside home with a big beating heart. I'm dead. I fucking died. The goose. R.I.P. Same, dude. My whole body. (sighs) Um, Also, shout out to like this beautiful narrative thing that Hammonds does, which is that, you know, it's like this generational love story. Of families, right? So it's oh shit, yeah. Carol and Zora, and then it's of course Avery and Simone, their children, their children, and that Carol and Zora have this like inside love joke about yeah going to space, and that un unbeknown like they don't like then Simone and um, Avery have no idea about that, mm-hmm. and their thing is like going to Jupiter, yeah, and that the Rennie itself is like better than that. I mean, I, you know. Was it a little on the nose? Was it a little cheesy? Absolutely. But kind of just like in the best way. I mean, I just was living for it. Yeah. Like, I mean, definitely. There's like the story of Simone and Avery and uh, Carol and Zora and all of it was just like, wait, what? Their moms are loved. Whatever. Like all this. You know, for sure. For sure. You get to the point where. Like, this is a little bit like, come yes. on. Yes. But also, I th- I think what made it okay is the writing that, that just pulls you in. That, like, magic was a riverside home with a big beating heart. Oh it's gosh. just, like... It's beautiful. It is gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. And you can't, like... You know, in a world that is so fucked and turned upside down, you know... In, in I guess like real world for sure but also the this world that Hammond's yes. made like allowing for these spaces of of just like radical joy I think are good and fine and I wasn't like tired of oh, no, reading the, the perfection I wanted like, it more the redemption was necessary for sure and this line um um With shaking hands, Tanya Grambling slipping on her friend's black silk dress and greeted herself for the first time in the scratch bathroom mirror. That cuts me me open every time. I mean, can like there so much of our experience as as women and then add to that brown women. And certainly like our experiences are are going to be different from black women in, you know, southern states but there is something that like this like tie that binds where i think so many times we have looked in the mirror and we have not seen right ourselves or or we have looked in the mirror and what we have seen is something that we don't want to be 100 percent. and this is like but there are spaces that are safe that see you where you can be yourself and you can meet yourself. Totally. I read that as a trans woman. Oh, yeah. Oh, you yeah, did yeah. too. Okay, okay. Yes. I, I, I mean, I think that the Rennie standing for everything that it did, it just, it felt like, like magical realism. You know, like, you yes. like yeah. go down the river, they just like happened yeah. upon it. You know, there's no social media, like, this is how these queer black people stay safe in this state, right? Yeah. They're hidden. Um, and so it did, again, just circling back, it felt very unrealistic. Like, just to totally. have something so shrouded in privacy and safety in that way. But this book did that for me often, where things were really unbelievable in this totally just like straight up fiction story. But I was here for it because it really healed a lot of things for me. You know, it felt really yeah. healing to read and experience those things. Um, yeah, I don't think um, there is a book that will do that in such a perfect. There's, I do, I like, I can't think of another book where I've had that same experience. Mm-hmm. You know, like the the way that this book um, lays out just complete like heartache and oppression and just like atrocity 
and then also offers spaces for like rest and recovery and redemption like god it's like let's hear it for ya i know we love ya um yeah i'm trying to think of like you know there was another to kind of jump i mean to way later but um the beach scene the beach scene i don't even know how to live my life with because it is it is so perfect. I love, I also really love that this is a thing that happens like, so um, Zora and fam, they're celebrating Thanksgiving at the beach house. And then it's like everyone is full and tired and it's, it's definitely like approaching bedtime. And then they're doing the thing and they're just like, fuck a curfew. Like, I mean, not really because there wasn't a curfew, but there's something sure. about like the alignment of an up all night. Totally redemption story for the three of them that are never on the same page that never want for themselves what everyone else like they are constantly in disagreement mama letty wants to be left alone she doesn't want to have to fuck with anyone she wants to read raise letters and smoke herself to death and that's what she wants to do oh yeah totally um zora doesn't want to deal with anything she doesn't want to emotionally engage despite what her daughter might need and Avery is just poking her nose around in murder and mystery, mostly kind of not realizing how much she's doing that. And they never want those things for each other. They never want for the things that they want for themselves. Right. Their family is not supportive of that. But in this moment, um, the thing that really pushes them there, of course, is Mama Letty's death. It really is Zora making the realization that despite my mom being abusive and shitty to me growing up and completely neglecting me, I love this woman so much and I have to do, I have to do it. I have to make this thing happen before she dies because if I don't, I'm never ever going to make it right and it's never going to feel good for me. And like, this is what Mama Letty deserves. Um, And, you know, I noted actually the apology on 318 um which follows um this beach scene i think right yeah so they're on the beach um and and then mama letty they're having this amazing time on page 318 and mama letty and zora they start fighting again and they're yeah. having the same fight that they keep having Um, You know, Mama Letty kind of brushing Zora off and Zora saying, like, you need to see me like I keep telling you this and I need you to acknowledge it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This terrible thing happened to you. But also I was a child and you were my mother and you were so horrible to me and you were drunk all the time. And I need you to acknowledge it. And they're going back and forth. And then finally... Mama Letty apologizes. Yeah. And it's not even this, like, it's not a declaration of love, right? It is this very real poignant thing as a person who has a grandmother who also has this really, 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 really fucked up history that I am not going to share, um, but has absolutely defined, like, all of the trauma in our family for generations mm. and generations and generations, who is completely locked up inside of herself, who is not capable of being... um Emotionally vulnerable because right. it's too scary mm. for her. This mm. really resonated with me. And it also felt it felt so real, but it also felt like, man, Hammonds, thank you so much for this gift. For yeah. every person who has had these like just really dysfunctional, disabling relationships with older generations of family members who are not capable of just saying sorry. Right. And understanding the dynamic of that, like Mama Letty was terrible to Zora and that's not okay. And what happened to Mama Letty is not okay. And all of these things are not okay and they can all exist in one space and nobody is bad or good or better or worse than anyone else for it. It just is. Yeah, I think I really do. I like that the apology just comes as sort of a, there is no sort of grand gesture no it's not just at all. Zora I'm sorry right and yes. then and then they get to spend 
what seems like forever together in that redemption yeah on the beach um it is it is a it's a really lovely way i think for a story about an abusive or emotionally abusive and neglectful person well woman in the family to um to just own the fuck up you know yeah um i think there is something about i did struggle a little bit with the um character development or the story development around mama letty and avery and zora just like how that um Mama Letty and Zora and Avery, those relationships were so broken and so like there was just so much um, they were so like murky, but all it took like a drive right for things to be OK yes. with Mama Letty and um, Avery. Right. And, you know, it took. I don't know, I get this this back and forth yelling on the beach. Well, not yelling, but this back and forth on the beach and all of a sudden things are okay. Like it just, I I know it's a book and you got to move the story forward, but it did feel a little too like, wait a minute. (laughs) Yeah. Like I felt like sort of like some, some like emotional whiplash from that. Yeah. And it also just lacked um, that believable color that you kind of need for a picture to really come to life. For sure. Especially between Avery and, Mama Letty. I feel like with Zora and Mama Letty, yes, that moment felt rushed, but also it felt so um, informed by impending death that it felt totally, yeah, to. that moment did. Yeah. But there was a lot where I was just like, you know, it's going from here to here so fast. Um, yeah. And that was like a little bit um, lacking for me. But I mean, as Hammond's first book, I mean, that's the thing that I just keep thinking about because, you know, sometimes there's so many books that I love that like really the story did not resonate with me until after I finished the book. And I realized that that is so often because the writing is really excellent. Like the the pictures that they're painting and the words that they're using are so moving that the story itself can be kind of boring. Sure. But a book where I mean, the creativity of this story the story that she's telling, the pictures that she's painting, and the relevance, again, to all of police brutality, white privilege, you know, trans and queerness, just the actual, the the significance of monuments in this book and the way oh God, that yeah. she uses those as touchstones throughout. It's just so fucking good. Well, and we aren't the only people to recognize that because uh, just earlier this week, she won the John Steptoe New Author Award. Yes, I saw that. Um, and, you know, just recognizing what this book is. Go Previ- on with your bad self, Jazz Hammond. Get it. Get it. Previous winners include um, the incredible Jason Reynolds, Um who I is a YA author um, and is working on an adult piece now, but he is, I stay ready to read Jason Reynolds things. And if you are not familiar, you 100% should get familiar. I'm I'm stealth Googling Jason Reynolds. Super stealthily. It's just, yeah. Oh wait, you, I'm sure that you, um, Oh no, I don't actually. You don't know him. Okay. Well, so here, so here we plug Jason this Reynolds book and also Jason Reynolds. Um, yeah, I think you know what I think. The other thing about Mama Letty that um, that story, Mama Letty's character, that is really interesting is, and something that I think like <laughs> I see a little bit of myself in, or maybe a lot of myself. Um, is this like dry sort like like sort of like sarcastic salty mm-hmm. um just kind of you know easily mistaken for just a total fucking asshole mm-hmm. but there are these real vulnerable moments Mama Letty reminded me of you too with <laughs> <laughs> in the best way I love her character yeah I mean I do too but I did reading her I was 
a lot of the time like oh shit this is me this is me in right well i'm i'm gonna be 40 next week so this is me in 20 years or or 30 years whatever yeah um so and and that's i just i guess i really like that there was a character that was written that is that multifaceted because i don't often see that like and i think for myself like as somebody who is like rough around the edges and leads with my saltiness, but is also a fan of vulnerability. Like to, to see Mama Letty let Avery in, mm. I think was really special. And especially like on that car ride when they went to the train station. And that is sort of like the beginning of Mama Letty deciding that she was going to introduce Avery to Ray. Mm-hmm. Um, and like when she lets her read the letters and oh my God, the scene where um, Mama Letty falls asleep and Avery stays and, mm-hmm. and reads all of the letters and she's talked. And I think the quote is something about like, I just stayed and was introduced to Ray through his own words. Right. Like, ugh, that's oh, the I kind know. of, that's just like fucking, ugh. Well, and you know, Mama Letty needed Avery. She didn't yes. know that, right? And no. And I mean, the loneliness of Mama Letty, the tragedy that is Mama Letty's life is going to stay with me. <laughs> that fictional trauma oh, dude. lives within me now. Um, and that Hammond's made this really bold choice to say, no, these people are not going to fucking meet Mama Letty until she's literally going to die in three months. And that's it. Yeah. And that's all that Mama Letty gets. That's not all that Zora gets. And it's not all that Avery gets because they get to go continue living their their full healthy lives that are in front of them. Yeah. The lives that sure, like this ancestral trauma, especially for Zora, exists within her. Yes. But Mama Letty had Ray. I mean, and that was this this choice that Hammond's made. Right. That's all that she had. And I mean, I hate to keep bringing up my grandmother, but it is so it it is very similar. My grandma had so much trauma and there was one man that she really, really loved. My gramps, my step grandfather, his name was Tom, and he died when I was 19. And my grandma has never and will never recover from that. And that is I'm not going to say a choice that she made because I don't know what that feels like, but it certainly was a non-negotiable. Yeah. You know, like that's it that's all that I needed and that I wanted and I had him and I don't now and I'm never going to be okay without him in the way that you need me to be okay and the healing like yes we see this healing we see this beach scene we see all these things it does not change that Zora had to leave because Mama Letty was so horrible to her right and in doing that Mama Letty had to be alone right she had to be alone and she had Carol and Simone, um, which like I also touched on, like maybe we could talk about that because I also thought like the relationship between Carol and Mama Letty was really interesting to me. Um, but man, I mean, that is that is really fucking sad. Yeah, I I thought a lot about Mama Letty and like who she was before Ray died before he was killed. Um, and like, we got to see these like moments of tenderness. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and was she, would she have been that person Mm. if Ray had, had not died? And also the like absolute, um, tragedy that is, her like her her joy was taken from her so early on and then her life's trajectory was completely fucked and fucked multiple other people along the way just like the story of family trauma and ancestral trauma is so good and so worth the read like but i do I'm so glad to have met Mama Letty and I do wish that she would have had more, but, but I'm also, I also see why she, she couldn't. Yeah. 
I um I'm trying to find the quote now and it doesn't look like I wrote it down, but there is this scene where um I think it's when they're in the hospital and um Hammonds talks about that. She says, you know, something like here is this world where we live and all of these sad shitty things have happened to us and there's another world where um Ray never died and yeah. Ray and Mama Letty take Zora to her first day of college and I come every summer and man I mean I'm like fighting tears actually just thinking about that right now because how how all of us do that all the time yeah you know how all of us and it, and the thing especially for folks of color like you have to go back so many fucking goddamn generations to like Here's the place where it could have been that things could have been great for everybody. Oh God. And that's like the the absolute just like emotional exhaustion of ancestral trauma that is like, yeah, things could have been better. And th- but then you also realize that like things could have been better and also like those things made us who we are. And so what do we like? And so what the fuck are we to do with like this absolutely fucked up world Mm -hmm. except for find those safe moments? Yes. In in relationship with other humans who see us and create those safe spaces for us and continue to fight the good fight. I mean, and and that. Yeah. I mean, Hammonds as an author is doing that here by writing this book. This is an act of resistance. Um, Avery in this book and every character in this book. I mean, it's all these acts of resistance, which brings me to looking at the time, two really important things we need to think about. Mm -hmm. The truest acts of resistance really is how we feel about Mama Letty being a fucking sick ass, straight up murderer who just like hid the evidence for her whole life. I fuck heavy with Mama Letty as a murderer. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, for real, I was like, so as I was reading that, I mean, first of all, we both discussed that we knew it was her before we got to. Not way big, before. I It took me, a, I mean, it was definitely before, but when did you know? Uh, It was over halfway through the book for me. Oh, oh for yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. Over halfway through the book. I would say like, like 80% of the way into the book. Yeah, yeah, like, same. Yeah. Um, but as I was reading that, as I was reading the big reveal, I was just like, I'm like hella cheering on a murderer. Yeah. Like, fuck yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and then of course, but it is still dynamic. It is still really fucked up. Right. Because it's pretty fucked up that Mama Letty killed Jade's mom. Because, and, and this genius Gen Z author doing the thing. We stay cheerleading the Gen Z. <laughs> we love <our> Gen Z. <laughs> but what Hammonds did was say, "Oh, you you're not gonna hate it. The person who dies is not gonna be the Tallulah. It's gonna be the mother of this character who you have grown to love. I mean, we love Jade. Yeah, we love her. We love the friendship that she offers. We are so sad that her mother." was senselessly murdered by her father until, holy fuck, it's not actually her dad. It's a it's a revenge murder from Mama Letty to say, you made me live my whole <laughs> yeah. life without my love, and I'm going to kill your love in return. And you know what's extra fucked up about it, man, is that he, I don't even think he gave a fuck. No, that is extra fucked up. And how that weird. is extra fucked up. Like, that was a wild, I was like, wait. Oh, what? Like, right. Because then all of a sudden you're like, it's Tallulah. Like what? Like this person just like, but here's the thing. It shows you who they are. Right. Like, like that he doesn't give a fuck is just like it drives home Mm. the like. These are baseless people. Totally. Yes. Yes. And there is something more there that I'm I know that there's something more there that I'm missing, but it really was a fucking narrative choice, man. It really was a narrative choice. And it was I'm, so refreshing. I mean, yeah. it was so surprising. It wasn't wrapped up in this perfect bow where you are fully on board with this revenge kill. If she had killed oh, yeah. Jade's dad, we'd be like, fuck yeah, like do that. But really, she, you know, Jade's mom is just cannon fodder. Not that I'm sure she was also fucking racist and fraught with all kinds of issues, not Tallulah level. 
but because no one can believe can no. beat Tallulah. No, she's, she's the top, the top of the worst. Um, so that was a wild turn. And then also just like the themes of monuments in this book at such a relevant time of just the destruction of yeah. white male monuments. Yeah. And can we talk about like the, the character? I feel like we're like hella running out of time, but yes. the character turn in Jade with the monuments at the end. Oh yeah. Where, where I think like Jade even knew that what she was proposing you know, like a monument to um, Mama Letty, Letty and Ray was not like an actual thing that would happen. Right. But she was like, as like, this is an act of resistance to say. Right. That this should be done. Totally. And that there was also, there was also the turn for Jade. Cause it was like, Jade is an ally. Jade is a best friend. Jade is this person who has all of this privilege, but is super fucking down to earth about it. And then they have the moment where, nope, we see that spot with Jade. There it is. Like there's her white privilege when they're having that fight. And she's like, it's not that serious. Like what's the big deal? And it really is like symbolic of Avery being like, I can't even fucking tell you. I can't even fucking begin to tell you like what's wrong because, um, there's no way for you to fully understand this because of who you are in this life and world and who I am in this life and world. Yeah. And that was just really poignant and very cool. And we are totally out of time. But I feel like we touched all the... We got all we the hit stuff. The heavy I mean, well, I think we did hit, hit the big themes and there is still yes. more. And we want to hear that from you all. So, like, yes. hit us up on the Insta. But we also, um, you know, we want to make it accessible for you to... Um, know whether or not you should read these books. And yeah. so I think uh, yeah. one of the things that I would like to know as we wrap this up is, was the book Hot Fi or Nice Try? Okay. Okay. Like, first of all, <laughs> we're just like, how do we get cute on social media? <laughs> Let's. What are some buzzwords? <laughs> um. Also, I feel like I need to explain that hot fi is the sickest term that you could use. Look, I might not be a Gen Z. We're not Gen Z. We're old lady millennials. We got mama, letty, millennial vibes. Okay. Um, but hot fi is short for hot fire. This is <laughs> one of the white boys at the book party. Uh, Zach. Uh, Rosa's white boy at the book party. Yes says hot fire so is the book hot fire or and then and we were going to do another thing but we decided that that was nice like try. potentially problematic so instead we're going to do nice try um because we're not trying and, to get canceled too early yeah that's true and also i feel like nice try is also like it is like it's not like totally rude no it's not it's like nice try yeah and this book was hot five for me it's a hot five vote for me dude bro so hot five hot hottest five rosa just knocked her face into the <laughs> mic I'm so excited. Um, thank you so much for joining us today. Fuck yeah. Keep reading with us, y'all. Um, yeah. Our next episode, which will unveil what our next book is, is coming to you soon. Yes. We love you. We love you. Thanks for joining us. Mm, goodbye. Bye.